This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. I'm Jenny. I'm Tomohome. And I'm Marissa. I'm a freelance book editor. And we're talking new releases, recent arrivals? Yes. We have how many how, how many do you figure we've got in physical format? It's decreasing, right? Oh, uh, 30? Oh, okay. Wow. Well. And what what about digital? It's sort of hard to say, right? Yeah. Well, we have one person who's like an independent publisher and then we get emails from a lot of different people of all these offerings. There's some great stuff in there this time though. I actually forgot I've got a uh I, I I fielded three uh audio dramas that came in. Oh. Uh, called uh Hammer Chillers is the name of the series. Just started. And um I field them field them all to some people on Twitter and one guy did them all. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and it, it it's really good. It's a uh British audio drama a horror anthology with some very uh, well known uh British audio dramatists and um I listened to all three myself. The review's already up, and I think we're going to get more in. Hammer is the same comp- uh, it's the company that uh, made all those Hammer movies in the 1950s, 60s, and 70s. Oh, they're still around? Well, yeah, I think they might have disappeared for a while, but they're back, and they're, they're making a lot of movies now. Uh, but they're also going into books and into audio drama. Now, oh, I, I see in the tags for that entry, Jeanette Winterson mentioned... What is her connection to that? She's uh, one of my favorite authors. Well, I don't remember her being one of the writers. Maybe that's a one of the actors. Let me just have a look. Um, I heard all three, uh, but I, I wasn't the reviewer on these. Let's see. Mark Morris did the second one. I thought that was pretty pretty amazing. Paul Magers, I think, uh, is how you pronounce his name. Um, he's a well-known guy. And Stephen Gallagher, uh, again, I think he's pretty well known. I've heard Paul Mager's stuff before, uh, but I don't know. Oh, I'm, I see it now. It, it's the same company, I guess, that has released some of her recent books. That's the only connection. Ah, I yes. didn't think of her as an SFF person. So. Maybe they should recruit her to write the drama. Uh, they, they might already have because there's more to come. These are uh, digital downloads, and they're they just started releasing they sent us the first three pre-release, and there's going to be, I think, uh, another six or so. Oh, wow. Sounds great. And it says Series 1, so uh, I was very impressed with it. Hmm. So there, there's the there's the first to start us off. Um, maybe we should check out the uh, the the official list, though. Okay, well, this mostly just the physical list. Okay. Um, spaceship Sci-Fi. <laughs> you know me at my categories. <laughs> we got a lot in this category, partly because we have a whole bunch of Honor Harrington books by David Weber and some other authors. Um, I think I have about seven that come from various parts of that series and sub-series. Looks like they're re-releasing them. I think they were out in Audible in 2009. Um, so that makes this category pretty big. And these are from brilliant, brilliance, then, right? Yeah, almost everything is. And I don't really Tam, know a lot about said, these books, but you said you read the first one, though, Tam, right? 
Yeah, it's 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 not bad. It's supposed to be like Horatio Hornblower, but in space. But the uh, battle strategies are very similar to uh, boats fighting, and it has kind of a literary tone to it. So it's it's not bad, and it certainly Lots is very popular. And broadsides and pirates and exactly. <laughs> I've never, I've like, not read Horatio Hornblower, so I I can't really say. Like they have some kind of gravity propulsion, and it's very similar to boats in water. Yeah, yeah, they do like broadside firing and stuff. <laughs> yeah, Julie and Steve Gibson it, loves it. So. Julie called it military sci-fi. She said the first three are really good, especially the first one. But every cover of the audiobook, I wish you guys could see, is <laughs> <It's> this cat. <laughs> so it it kind of takes it away from the typical military sci-fi cover with you know the helicopters and the aliens. Huh. Um, it's a little, psychic cat, tree cat, right? Telepathic tree cat. <laughs> I don't really know how that figures into the story, but yeah, in the first one, I, I just remember sitting on her shoulder and not doing much. Yeah. Maybe it figures in later. Uh, I'm looking at the the Google images for for these books. Um, do you think they've got one model to do the cover of all of them? Is it the same? Uh, Maybe it's painted. at least the same artist. Yeah. Yeah, it's I I always get this one confused with the uh this series confused with the um one by Lois McMaster Bujol, but I think they're quite different, right? I don't I don't really I know. I've so. never read those. I've read a couple of them. The I think Luke is doing reviews of them on his podcast right now. Hmm. Um quite a bit different, but sort of that that big space empire sort of sprawling series. Yeah, and like part of what we got in, there are three books that are kind of a part of a sub-series, so people must like them because they've written so many. Um, and there's always, almost always, multiple performers on the audiobooks, um, which would probably be an interesting listen. And some of the Worlds of Honor sub-series are a lot newer, so those just oh, were, were from 2012, yeah. so, you know, I think that um, maybe they sent us some of the older ones to kind of give some context. Yeah, I think David Drake is the original art author, and then S.M. Sterling is added on. Uh, uh, David Weber. Later series? David, oh, David Weber. Weber. David Drake. Okay, so it's David Drake, S.M. Sterling, and David Weber. Those are all military SF names, hmm. I think. Hmm. I, okay. I, I feel like David Weber and Bujold have like a historical feel, like they've read a lot of historical fiction maybe, and they kind of draw from that. To make these worlds seems likely. Did you did you hear that uh, somebody I think on our our Skype group was saying that McMaster Bujol was saying ninety percent of her sales came from audiobooks. Yeah, she, really. She was just interviewed on Sword and Laser for like over an hour, and that's one of the things she said. I I had a feeling that that was the case, um, because that's how I consumed her books. Uh, but I think. The the thing is is because of audiobooks being sort of like a, a earlier version of ebooks in the sense that you could get them digitally, uh, right. they they the people you know couldn't find her paper books in the stores so they weren't picking them up they weren't buying them and then that's exactly what that, she said. There we go. There you go. Yeah, she said she was on like books on tape and stuff a long time ago too, but yeah, that never sold as well as the digital ones. Well, they, 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 it's much harder to get yeah. a hold of them. You have to mail away for them. Well, and, and I, I wonder, too, wait. if it's just the pacing of these kinds of stories, you know, the quick 
quick pace, makes it fun to listen to. She's a really good writer, though. Um, if you guys haven't uh, tried her, uh, she's, she does some fantasy series, and um, I'm not much for series, you know, mm. but I've tried uh, the first of a couple of her books, and she 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 has ideas in there. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a lot of... I, I kind of think of her as a girl writer. <laughs> you know, she has sort of... She sees things from a girl's point of view, and <laughs> I, that's not exactly my point of view, but it's an interesting point of view. She sounds very intelligent in the uh, interview that I heard. Yeah, yeah. That's I, I saw her on a show years and years ago, interviewed, and I thought, oh, she she sounds like she'd write good books, and she does. She's a very good writer. You mean you were surprised that she sounded smart? <laughs> Me? Me? I yeah, mean, you. I, I mean, I, I no. didn't know. <laughs> I, I'm surprised when anyone's smart. <laughs> I, I heard those fantasy books are more like. She invents a religion, and then it's almost like science fiction. She extrapolates oh, from there. That sounds cool. Yeah, she's very, she's very like she, when she writes her fantasy world, it's it's got a little more depth to it than than most fantasies that get written. I mean, it's not Tolkien level. I was thinking about how George R. R. Martin stuff. It's you know, it's not really Tolkien deep. It's it's more like you know, it's like a you know, you're wading in rather than it's just a a surface layer of depth, but it, she, she goes a little deeper even than George R. R. Martin does. So mm. she's she really, um, and very thoughtful with her secondary world creation. I, I, I can't say that about the, uh, the science fiction end, but it certainly seems that way in the fantasy end. Do you know what a fantasy, uh, series is called? Yeah, there's a couple. Um, the one I'm thinking of is called The Curse of Chalion. That's the first book in the series. Oh, okay. And um, I I think I did a review of it years uh, and years ago, Curse of Chalion. And that was a Blackstone audiobook, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there it is. 2001 fantasy novel. And it won a couple of awards. Cool. And then there was... Uh, a little bit later on. I think there was a couple of books later after that. Paladin of Souls and uh, The Hallowed Hunt in 2005 came out. Mm-hmm. I tried reading the Vorkus... Vork, Vork, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you say it. <laughs> so, <laughs> the, yeah, the one that was nominated last year for either the Hugo or the Nebula, but I had to abandon it because I hadn't read any of the other books before it and there were too many things I was missing um, I'd like to try something of hers from the beginning, though. I I, I highly recommend the Curse of Chalion. I thought it was very inventive and and thoughtful. Okay. It is only like a three or four book series. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's three. I didn't read the second one or the third one, but the first one stands well on its own, and it it it's got a nice um you know religious um background that makes it deeper. And uh, I can't remember the, how the magic system worked exact, exactly, but it was it was uh, low magic rather than high magic universe, I think. What's that mean? Uh, one of the definitions of high fantasy was that it had a lot of magic in it, I think. And so it's it's like, um, you know, George R. R. Martin's uh, series has low magic. There's not a lot of magic. Hap- not everybody's full of spells all right. the time. Like Harry Potter's a high... High high magic content. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. might not be high fantasy, but it's 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 high magic content. You know, per page, there's a lot of magical things happening. Right. I, I call Game of Thrones one percent fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, well, yeah. I was thinking. Uh, did you see see any of the reaction online to the latest episode? The, yeah. The, the Red Wedding. Yeah. So I, I saw there was a story uh, saying where he sourced the fiction the fiction from in history, and I was reading about those things, and they were they were pretty interesting. I like that that he he is using history as his secondary uh, research for his world there. Yeah, it was War Scottish history. Yeah. Because I, I was reading that on Worlds Without End, I think. They were talking. It might have been that. He pulled together a whole bunch of different people who'd been talking about it. Just like the, the breach of etiquette in like mm-hmm. wartime and stuff like that. So. Yeah. And the guest host relationship was violated. Mm-hmm. It's not so good. Not so good. So um, back to outer space. Yes. Uh, another set of books that we got that aren't related to one another, except for they're all by John Scalzi, um, who, of course, is really popular in circles of science fiction and fantasy. Um, we got Red Shirts, performed by Will Wheaton, Agents mm-hmm. of the Stars, performed by Will Wheaton, and The Human Division, performed by William Dufresne. So yeah, um, I think I've heard Human Division years ago. Uh, I think that's a re-release. No, no, it's it? brand oh. new. And then what's the second one I heard? The Asian. Ghost Brigades. Ghost Brigades, I think. Oh, yeah, maybe. Um, I mean, Asian I heard the, first the Stars one. is pretty old. Yeah, actually, I haven't heard that one. I, I was kind of interested. It's co- a comedy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that that sounds interesting. Looks like we've got reviewers for almost everything. Oh, people jump on the Scalzi really fast. So. Yeah. Great. He's, he's a very fun writer. Yeah, and didn't Sword and Laser recently do Red Shirts? Am I remembering that right? It was at least an alternate pick. Oh, yeah. I skipped it. but Well, I'm just not a Star Trek watcher, so it wouldn't have made as much sense to me. Yeah. And they they did All Man's War, too. After oh, a lot right. of all ticking. Yeah, and this one wasn't on that list. I saw on our list. Um, I It's funny, because people either love or hate Will Wheaton as a reader. Have you guys ever listened to anything that he's done? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, I, I heard him years and years ago. Yeah. Um. He, he's 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 young. <laughs> His voice seems young. Mm-hmm. You know. I actually like him, especially at two x speed. <laughs> <laughs> he's perfect. <laughs> he's he, he he's not like I can see why he's not to everyone's taste, but um, uh, I think there's certain kind of books that certain kind of readers can do, and that might you know like I think he he might be good for so this. Sort of uh, snarky, uh, uh, I don't know, comedic, scalzy, scalzy stories. Yeah, and the reader, remember when we did um, Little Brother by Cory Doctorow? Mm-hmm. That wasn't yeah, Will Wheaton. Kirby, but it, Kirby Hayborn. Yeah, but yeah. those two, they, they have similar reading styles. I agree. So I, I like that style. Kirby Hayborn. Mm-hmm. Oh. And Kirby does a lot of like the zombie books, too, kind of the yeah, modern. Urban, sort of stuff. Yeah. Indeed. So I know Actually, he's I popular. I did listen to Little Fuzzies. It was okay. I think Will Wheaton did that one. Yeah, Fuzzy Nation, maybe? Fuzzy Nation, yeah. Yeah, there's an older type style voice doing Little Fuzzy. Yeah, they had they had them both together in the same audiobook. Yeah, I think that was my first one, too. 
What What's the story on uh, the B.V. Larson book here, Rebellion? Well, you know, we've gotten his first one in the last time, or the, maybe the first two. Um, I haven't, um, the reviewer for that is actually, he's just about finished up, so he so we'll hear about what he thinks about the books pretty soon. Is that the same one who's who's taking the uh, new ones? Uh, his name is Andrew L. Yep. Yeah, it's the same one. So that'll be a nice consistency. He wanted he liked them enough to sign up for more. So okay. yeah, um, those are part of the Star Force series, and they're both performed by Mark Boyett. Um, and so it's a kind of a space war against alien races. It looks like. So uh, you've distinguished those in the space sci-fi section, but we've also got a military sci-fi section. So uh, how how did, how did you tell the difference between the two? Oh, I guess it's like military SF in space and military. SF. <laughs> Maybe there were guns on the cover. <laughs> they probably all fit together because, as was described to me about all those um, Honor Harrington books, those should be military sci-fi too. So oh, I gotcha. Okay. Well, there's only one book in that section. Uh, it's Legend Area 50, Area 51 by Bob Meyer, performed by Eric G. Dove. Yeah, so it's just another uh, one of those. We've been talking about those series. each time, I think. They've been yeah. turning those out. And we have no reviewers for these yet, right? Um, I sent six of them to someone. They just haven't wow. reviewed them yet. So wow. I think wow. we may have posted one of those already. Okay. Uh, well... Next, I guess we're moving right along here. Mm-hmm. Traditional fantasy. I like this. I like this category. <laughs> <laughs> Another word for epic fantasy, I guess. Conservative fantasy. High <laughs> <laughs> magic. Um, As opposed to I don't to know. Urban. I think or elves and yeah. Elves and princes and quests. Yeah. yeah. Fewer tattoos, more swords. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Honor Harrington. Anybody read any Honor Harrington? Because I have. Uh, sorry, not Honor Harrington. Elizabeth Moon. Why am I getting Honor wow, Harrington? I don't know where that came from. Uh-huh. Uh, I've, I've read her military SF. Well, I heard it on graphic audio. They're, they're pretty good. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. yeah. She's, she's got some, some, uh, it's very strange the way they, they adapt things so that it's like they have every line of dialogue, you know? It's like, um, it's like an audio drama that's... Uh, but it has all the text of the... Screen. It has all the text as well. But then it has, like, uh, full cast and sound effects and music. Oh, yeah. Is that it's weird? <laughs> it's, it's cool. It's cool, but I think the way... It, I think it's designed for truck drivers. All right. Um, because the, the books are sort of... Um, they're sort of very... The, the Elizabeth Moon stuff is sort of unusual and that mostly there's their comic book or or sort of western western what's the other kind there's like a sort of military um apocalyptic maybe yeah post-apocalyptic uh, gun porn yeah. sort of stories yeah the content like, varies so things. you have to find uh which yeah it's like you know i pulled out my six hour loaded with heavy heavy parabellums and a stock oh. sight, and I pointed it at the guy, and of course, because it has a, a new recoil uh, thingy, right? And then by the time you get to the description of the gun being shot, it's like, oh, and then, then there's some plot details. But it, it, yeah, it's sort hey, of like you do one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not well versed enough in the uh, the equipment of guns. Well, that's amazing that she writes 
over on that side because if you read the description of this one, and I'd like to for a little bit, mm-hmm. it's quite different from that because yeah. this is part of the Paladin's Legacy series. It's number four. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Limits of Power, and it's performed by Angela Daw. So I'll just read part of the description. Please. Um, the unthinkable has occurred in the kingdom of Leonia. The queen of the elves, known as the Lady, is dead, murdered by former elves twisted by dark powers. Now the Lady's half-elven grandson must heal the mistrust between elf and human before their enemies strike again. I won't read the rest. It's a really long description, but... One of the things that I really like about this particular audiobook is that they're releasing it simultaneously with the hardcover. Hmm. Um, and we see a lot of books that, you know, have been out for a while in print and they make them into audio. Um, it's nice to see it when they do it at the same time. Mm-hmm. I think it's nice for the readers or listeners. To, they can pick their own format yeah. then, depending mm-hmm. on what they prefer. The uh, The one I heard from... Uh, what's it? A graphic audio was uh a space one. Is that the one you heard, Tam? Yeah, yeah. Bot is War. Um, I think it's a series. Yeah, and I think it, I mean for a space story, it was it was a whole lot about horses. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. That's what I didn't like. I, I but the space parts were great. But when they started riding horses on the planet, I I liked. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of horse talk. For a, she's a space a yacht captain, I think. Right. And. Uh, Ex ex military uh, captain on a spaceship, and now she she pilots a yacht for a for a rich person, and then lots of horse horse riding, you know, <laughs> getting your saddle. And, uh, so it's a, like a horse uh, horse tackle porn. <laughs> but uh, like if you if you're looking for like an older woman character that seems to fit the bill, it's it was it was entertaining. I I thought it was interesting. Um, but the ones I heard, uh, were her earlier, uh, writings. Uh, there was a series called, um, uh, The Deed of Paxinarian or something along that line. And there was like three books all bundled together. Um, if those are available as audiobooks, I would highly recommend them. They're, they were sort of traditional, um, uh, traditional conservative old fashioned fantasy swords and horses and such. Uh, but, it was like a hero's quest sort of story, but with a female central character rather than, uh, you know, barbarian uh, guy with an axe. So it was Red, Red Sonja. Yeah, it was more. No, it was more like yeah, it was kind of Red Sonja, but uh, she was more reasonable. So her armor was uh, covering all her parts, not just you know the parts that would get uh, <laughs> the beach. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. And I think I, th- I think I remember that Elizabeth Moon was um, was a uh, a marine. I think you yeah. asked marine. Yeah, I think you're right. Explain the gun porn. Uh, no, she she wasn't the gun porn people. That she's the horse porn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not really horse porn. It's tackle porn. You know, like the the all the saddles and bridles and all mm-hmm. those things. And it wasn't. It was. Did you say she writes military stuff as well? Right. Yeah, no, that's the military stuff we were talking oh, about. Right, it's, right. it's sort of like um, like military sci-fi. It's sort of a little bit like military sci-fi. But that, what was strange was that this company, Graphic Audio, was doing something that was sort of a little less like it normally is. They usually do like superheroes and hmm. and westerns and and so yeah, it more was, male-oriented. Yeah, well, I don't know if it's male-oriented. It's sort of like it's like male romance, you know. 
like uh, paranormal normal romance for truck drivers. That's what I would think. Sounds pretty hot. Yeah. <laughs> okay, moving on. Um, well, we have a few books that I'll just zip through because we've talked about the series or groups before. Um, we have Any Other Name, which is the second book in the Split World series, and we just talked about the first book in that last time. Um, that's by Emma Newman and read by New- Emma Newman, so that looks promising. Um, we got two more books in the Four World Saga, which is, you know, that set written by a whole bunch of people, Neil Stevenson, uh, Greg Bear, Eric Bear, Mark Teppo, all those people. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have two little bitty kind of side trip ones. There are two discs and four discs. One is The Assassination of Orange by Joseph Brassi. One is The Book of Seven Hands by Barth Anderson. And um, I would draw your attention to Terp Kristen's review of the Mongoliad Book One, which we mm. just posted, or maybe I haven't actually posted it yet. But It will be up. It will be up pretty soon. Um, because... It, she's just starting at the beginning, really, and I thought her thoughts were pretty insightful on the whole series and what's working well and what's confusing, especially in the audio version. But she's going to keep reading, so um, that was promising, I thought. But they just they just bring us something almost every month from that whole world, so you could really immerse yourself into it. And then we have two books that look to be book one of new series or trilogies. It's hard to tell. So... Um, the first one of those is called The Garden of Stones from the Echoes of Empire, number one. It's by Mark T. Barnes, performed by Nick Podell. Um, so the description here, a new epic begins, fueled by visions promising him prolonged life and political power. The dying Korajadin, however you say that, leader of a millennia-old dynasty has brought the nation of Shrian to civil war. But is his bright destiny assured, or do the events unfolding around him promise a more ignoble and finite future? Indris, warrior mage of the sex scholars and scion of a rival great house, is caught up in the upheaval. Driven by loyalty and conscious to return to a city that haunts his past, Indris reluctantly accepts the task of finding a missing man, the only one able to steer the teetering nation towards peace. I'll just stop there. Uh I'm looking at the reviews on Amazon, and it's getting mixed reviews. People seem to like it. Some think that it needs editing. Others think it's long. Send it to Marissa. Uh, but it, it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's got promise. Yeah. So uh, when you're editing a book, Marissa, mm-hmm. I hope you're saying, cut it shorter. Yeah, <laughs> that that's, that's pretty much the main thing I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> Get rid of this and this and this and this. And yeah. this. It's like a big cross out because yeah because everyone overwrites and all the best stuff is like what what you leave there after you've cut it all away yeah i i feel like these days editors just let authors write as much as they want i guess when they're more popular mm. is, that, is that true yeah i think probably. they're just not editing I, I, don't you think they're just like they're just buying yeah i think if you're like really famous you can just write whatever you want <laughs> as much as you want or yeah they're just not editing it, it, like uh, as an editor, their job is just to buy stuff. It's my thinking, right? They, oh, like they used edit- to, yeah, for editors at like publishing houses and stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, some of them. And and they leave all the editing to the author, and the authors say, "But my baby's beautiful. Every part of him, <laughs> every hair must be on." Yeah. I think a lot of them go through quite a few editors, though, at the publishing houses. 
But they they do seem to get longer though. Like when 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 you know a, a su- series is successful, each book gets longer and longer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, my classic example of that is Harry Potter's first book is very you know very manageable length, and as it goes, it just gets longer and longer. Mm-hmm. And I I thought the first one was very good. I didn't think it needed more padding out, but. Maybe because I, I, she's just got so much power after that that the editors just can't. <laughs> what well, I think they can sell a bigger book, right? Yeah, they can sell a bigger book. Mm-hmm. So why 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 say cut it down? Because it makes the story better. <laughs> yeah, but maybe that's not what we're. I get the sense that we're not in the, in the market just the same way that everybody else is, or at least a lot of people are. Mm. Is that they're looking for volume? Well, yeah, that's as Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I really like the shorter books now. Like, I feel like I'm preferring shorter and shorter stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just books so that much. are self-contained sometimes is, is nice. That whole challenge of oh. actually telling a whole story in one book. <laughs> yeah. I I, th- I think, you know, we can fi- figure out what what's going on. But I think the challenge is... More, you know, we're not going to change the system by complaining about it. I think the challenge is to find the good amongst all the stuff that still is done this way. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get, you know, a new book in the series like the Malazan books, and those are what twenty discs, thirty discs, and people right. eat them up. So mm-hmm. when I see thirteen discs and see that people are complaining that it's too long, I'm it's like, long. bah, <laughs> for a fantasy book. I don't know. Yeah, it seems <laughs> relatively short, yeah. doesn't it? Well, and the next one is only seven discs, and that's, that's very um, reasonable. Oberon's Dreams, the first one of the Godlanders War, uh, by Aaron Pogue, performed by Luke Daniels. And does someone else want to read this one? Uh, how about Marissa go for it? <laughs> While I look it up. Yeah, sure. Um, so Captain Corrin thought his mission had come to a highly profitable end. But King Oberon made sure his quest was just beginning. After an arduous search, the clever, charming Corrin finds the ancient ruins of, uh, ruins of Jadili. But his angry, crew, his angry crew mutinies when, rather than the promised treasure, their discovery yields only books. <laughs> that sounds kind of cool. Uh, books, well, it, books, books. I like that. Yeah. And then left to a fiery death, Corrin is mysteriously whisked off to a time when Jazili teams with fairies, dwarves, and druids. Hmm. Sounds fun. Yeah, yep, it sounds does sound like kind of fun. Good start to the story. Yeah. Anything that throws know. books in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe there's a librarian. <laughs> I'm reading an editorial note here about the author. Aaron Pogue is president and CEO of a consortium uh, of Consortium Inc a non-profit arts organization and digital publishing house. Former technical writer for the federal government, he became an indie publishing sensation with his epic fantasy novel, Taming Fire. He has penned several best-selling fantasy novels as well as thrillers and works of urban fantasy and science fiction. And he seems based out of Oklahoma. Nice and short, though. 291 pages. Very reasonable length. And seven hours? Seven discs, yeah. Seven, yeah. It's about it's about seven hours, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. A little longer. Let's see, uh, let's see if I can find the exact length. Uh, no, I can't. <laughs> Buy it out Audible. That'll 
click through and see what it says there. Uh, okay. And it says 8 hours, 17 minutes. There you go. Seems to be, it's only got one review, uh, but seems to be very um, po- positive. Yeah, and this is one of those where it hadn't been an Audible previously, so it's a lot oh. newer. <laughs> nice. All right, what's next? Uh, let's go to the urban fantasy section. I put urban okay. fantasy and superheroes together because there was one that didn't fit. At <laughs> 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 um, first, I was really excited about, and um, Marissa will get to read this one. It's a new Chuck Wendig, and I didn't even realize that it was coming out, um, called Blue Blazes, performed by Patrick Lawler. This one is 10 discs, and it says, Meet Mookie Pearl, criminal underworld, he runs in it. Supernatural underworld, he hunts in it. <laughs> Nothing stops Mookie when he's on the job, but when his daughter takes up arms and opposes him, something's got to give. It's not very specific, actually. <laughs> so I'll be interested to hear more about what this book is about. There's uh, not a lot on the Internet except on Goodreads. Is, is Chuck big on Goodreads? Yeah, he's just a pretty present internet person. Yeah, social media. Twitter and everything. Well, there is a review on the back by Adam Christopher, and it says it's exactly his kind of supernatural mob crime novel. So, you know, Adam Christopher is the one that writes all those superhero books. I'm not surprised that he read it. I I like this. The second person uh, to do a review here uh, has piqued my interest because he or she has said, I don't use star ratings, so please read my review. (laughs) 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 Says, meet Mookie Pearl, criminal underworld, blah, 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 quote, quote, quote. And then, once again, Chuck Wendig and Angry Robot serve up their own particular band of WPF fiction. Uh, You certainly cannot accuse the author of being derivative, because every time I read one of his books, I think, wow, I've never read anything like this before. That's a pretty good compliment. Can, can I read the description of the main character? Sure. He He's a high wall of flesh stuffed into a white wife beater stained with brown once red, a man whose big bones are wreathed in fat and gristle and muscle and sealed tight in a final layer of scar tissue skin. At the top of his ox yoke shoulders sits a head like a wrecking ball with black eyes and shorn scalp and a mouthful of teeth that look like white pebbles fished from a dark river. He's got hands <laughs> that could break a horse's neck. He's got Frankenstein feet and a Godzilla hunch. He's built like a brick shit house made of a hundred smaller brick shit houses. <laughs> That's Whoa. the Chuck Wendig I know. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward Sounds to this fun. one. <laughs> Sounds fun. Marissa, didn't you also listen to the um, one of the Mockingbird or Blackbirds or something like that? No, I've never I've never read him yet. I've been following on the internet for ages, and I love him, oh, yeah. but I haven't read any of his books. So this is going to be. It's going to be. Yeah, a good I'm book. excited about this one. Oh, great. And it's the first in a series, I guess? Yes. Well, yeah, it doesn't even... This book one, so uh, Mookie Pearl number one, so I assume it's the series. Um, The cover is very interesting on... There's a different cover on the paper version, I think, than the audio version. But uh, it's cool. Cool art. I wonder who did the art. He has good artwork on everything he does. I know. I love the Blackbird one. I think it makes a hell of a difference, Mm -hmm. you know? Oh, and uh, each chapter starts with like a Lovecraft-like description of what hell is like. Yeah, cool. I was looking at it a little bit. Jenny, you were you were saying that uh, Lovecraft sounded like uh, the Book of Jeremiah, yeah. right? <laughs> I, 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 that makes me want to read the Book of Jeremiah because um, that that the description you had what was that? 
How did it go the other day? Uh, it, was, it was very cool. I don't know if I can just bring it up again. I bet I can. Let me see. <laughs> Let me see. If I well, can it was you had posted a a, a Lovecraft quote. Mm-hmm. And I was like, where have I heard this before? Oh yeah, <laughs> the Bible. <laughs> Sunday school. <laughs> see if I can find. It here. You know, while you're doing that, I I'm a member of NetGalley, so I get arcs of books a lot. And the other day, I came across a Chuck Wendig children's book. Am I am I crazy? Is that really what happened? Um, because I don't think I would have expected that. Maybe it's for older kids. <laughs> I have to look that up now because now I think that I must just be making that up. <laughs> no, it's called Under the Empyrean Sky. It's the Heartland oh. Trilogy from Amazon Children's Publishing. Um, and I got approved for it, so I'll have to let you guys know what it's like. And it looks like it's fantasy. I mean, like, well, Corn is King in the Heartland. It's the only crop the Imperian government allows the people of the Heartland to grow, so maybe it's a little dystopian, I guess. But that should Here's, be interesting. <laughs> I found the quote here. Let's see. So the one I quoted was from uh, a, The Rats in the Walls. Um and it was just a, a couple of quotes that were, like, pretty cool. One was, uh, Then there came the sound from that inky, boundless farther distance that I thought I knew. And I saw my old black cat dart past me like a winged Egyptian god straight into that limitable gulf of the unknown. But I was not far behind, for there was no doubt after another second it was the eldritch scurrying of those fiend-born rats always questing for new horrors and determined to lead me on even unto those grinning caverns of the Earth's center where Nyarlathotep, the mad, faceless god, howls blindly in the darkness to the piping of two amorphous idiot flute players. I said, cool. And then this is Jenny's quote from uh, the book of Jeremiah, right? Yeah. I looked, I looked at the mountains and they were quaking. All the hills were swaying. I looked, and there were no people. Every bird in the sky had flown away. I looked, and the fruitful land was desert. All its towns lay in ruins. Creepy. Yeah. <laughs> I looked at the earth, and it was formless and empty, and at the heavens, and their light was gone. Old Testament. <laughs> Old Testament um, uh, Lovecraft. I imagine he probably read it from time to time. <laughs> I, I yeah. bet he did. I, that was his favorite part. Maybe he wrote it. <laughs> hmm. Okay, so I'm going to move on to the next book. <laughs> I know I just keep pushing this. Um, this one was interesting. Emperor Mollusk versus the Sinister Brain by A. Lee Martinez, performed by Scott. Oh, Scott Yellow. Do you think that's how you say it? Ayala. Ayala. Um, this one's only six discs, but the description is really fun. Intergalactic menace, destroyer of worlds, conqueror of other worlds, mad genius, ex-warlord of Earth. Not bad for a guy without a spine, but what's a villain to do after he's done everything? <laughs> uh, retirement isn't enough. If the boredom doesn't get him, there's always the Venusians or the Saturnites. La 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 la, there's a long description. But Mollusk isn't about to let the Earth slip out of his own tentacles and into the less capable clutches of another. So it's time to dust off the old death ray and come out of retirement. Except this time, he's not out to rule the world. He's out to save it from the peril of the sinister brain. 
<laughs> wow, tentacles and death rays. Yeah. <laughs> He's more a humorous type writer. Doing very well on Goodreads. It's got a thousand, more than a thousand ratings and uh, 3.74. Wow. Yeah, and the cover art's really cool on this one. Yeah, very cool looking. Yeah. You like them, Jesse. You write short books and no series. Yeah, I like that. Hmm. I, I've seen his books around, or her books, I don't know. Yeah, the I guy. don't know, yeah. No, I know it's a guy. Oh. Okay. He's been on the uh, SF Signal podcast. Okay. Um, I've seen his books, uh, and they, they all sounded pretty interesting. So, um, too bad Bryce got it. Oh, well. <laughs> go, Bryce. Wow, that cover uh, is amazing. Cool. Yeah, it's cool. Cool looking. Yeah, it reminds me of the Everything is Eliminated cover. Do you guys know that book? The Everything is Eliminated? Jonathan Safran Co. Not a science fiction book, but... Oh, irrelevant. Um, uh, Legion by Brandon Sanderson. Yes, this is a nice short one, two discs. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of a different, different type of story than he usually tells, because it's, yeah, it's sure. not you know magic based. <laughs> Brandon Sanderson's like the guy who can write a thousand words in a day, right? <laughs> uh, not a thousand words in an hour, I should say. He's pretty productive. This was um. I think this was free on Amazon. I don't know if it still is. Oh, that's why it uh, sounds so familiar. Yeah, and I downloaded it, and I've been trying to listen to it, even though it's only like two or three hours. I've started it like four or five times, and I cannot get into it. <laughs> it's not your thing? I don't know, because I, I really like Brandon Sanderson, but I haven't read his other stuff, and I thought, oh, cool, well, I'll start with this one. But I don't know. It just feels kind of flat, and I can't really care about anyone in it. Hmm. <laughs> But I haven't finished it yet. But I looked at the reviews and everyone loves it, so I don't know. <laughs> it, the only complaints I can find are about the end of it, which I haven't even got to yet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe you can edit it for him. <laughs> yeah. So this, uh, there's a review of the audiobook on, on Goodreads. There's a, generally positive reviews there. It says, this is a short novella, so I'm for, foregoing my usual format for a short review. I equate this to a dr- drug dealer. First one is free, then you get hooked. I snagged the free Audible audiobook. Oh. Oh, yeah, it was on Audible. Audiobook was free, too. Mm-hmm. And I will happily buy any more stories from Sanderson. Uh, she, Mr. Sanderson chooses to write with this character. The main character is some kind of crazy genius. In an attempt to keep a hold of his sanity, he has created all this imaginary to act as a sort of knowledge specialist. Oh, not, who act as sort of knowledge specialists. He has one ex-Navy SEAL who gives him a weapon and tactics advice. Another who is a scholar who acts as his personal Wikipedia, to name a few. The story was interesting and moved quickly as it's so short. I rather enjoyed it. Doesn't sound terrible. No. I don't know why I can't get into it. It's just I'm not even that fussy normally. I'm usually like quite easy to please, but for some reason... Yeah, a, a lot of people looking at the reviews. It looks like a lot of people got the audiobook. Uh huh. Yeah, I think it's one of those free gifts for members. Or was it uh, not available as an ebook though? I don't know. I got it on audio. Okay. I can't even remember where I found it or how. I, I, just, found it. I have a feeling like oh, there's a lot more people listening to audio than is generally known. Yeah, I'm um, gonna try this one again. Everyone loves it. I'm not missing something. Sounds interesting. I wonder if it's still available. 
but we got we got the hard copy, so I mm-hmm. guess I don't need to. Oh, Tom S. is going to do the review. <laughs> so many people now, I don't know who they are. I know. We have so many good reviewers. It's nice. And people that listen to Urban Fantasy, finally. Hooray. Um, so Spider's Bite has been previously reviewed. Yeah, I think what we'll do is we'll post Dawn's review since she's already read it, and then she's going to take number eight. I think they must have sent us number one because they were sending us number eight, just to kind of give oh. us some context there. But it's number eight, Dudley Sting, that from the Elemental Assassin series that's new. Um, those are by Jennifer Estep and performed by Lauren Fortgang. And she's an assassin, Jin Blanco, a.k.a. the Spider. So there's a long series. It's funny because <laughs> the description from number one says she's at the pork pit cooking up the best barbecue in Ashland. And I'm wondering if that's Ashland, Oregon, or which yeah. Ashland it is. Because I like Ashland, Oregon. But mm-hmm. could just I want to be go imaginary. Because I don't really equate that place with barbecue. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious about these. And Lauren Forking has done a lot of reading recently. It seems like I've seen her name a lot. Hmm. So. And not harder before. And we did get another Jill Kismet book. We've talked about those before. This one's called Flesh Circus by Lilith St. Crow. It's number four in that series. Um, these were all previously released, and they're just re-releasing them again. Um, I think because Lilith St. Crow writes the, that other series. Uh, oh no! Of course, I would forget it. It's been a lot. It's been a lot more recent. Uh, I think I can see the cover has got blue. On it is. Yeah, I can picture it in my head and I can't. Um, yeah, I don't remember the name of it either. Um, and then we got Jane Jameson number four, Nice Girls Don't Bite Their Neighbors, which <laughs> wins for title for sure. Yeah, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's very true. And that one. Wow, trying to find just a short... So it's a lot of urban fantasy, it looks like, she's got. Yeah, and this one is something about how she's trying to stay alive while she plans her wedding. And it <laughs> looks like she has a vampire child, so I don't know. I don't know that series <laughs> at all, so that would be interesting to get into. And then another Beefy Larson book. Um, we got Unspeakable Things number one previously. This one is called The Bone Triangle, and it's Unspeakable Things number two. So B.V. Larson's kind of dipping into urban fantasy in one series and sci-fi in another. So, uh, For some reason, when you said uh, Vampire Child, it made me think of that, that show I tried to watch the other day called Hemlock Grove. Have you guys heard of this? It's a Netflix series. Yeah, I don't think I've tried that one yet. Um, Any good? I was, I was having a great deal of trouble getting into it, and then I started, while I was watching it, I started looking online, and it seems like a lot of other people, they like it, and a lot of other people think, no, it's really, really hard to get into, and, and then I saw there was a, a post somebody had made up of the 20 most ridiculous things in, in the show, and it was it was like, it's almost like it's a urban fantasy set in the sort of a rural area that is satirizing itself the way they had it it was so weird and it's got like this it's the the way they filmed it there's like a filter between you and the and the the scene it seems like so that makes it sort of dreamlike Hmm. um i'm not sure i'm not sure if they're trying to capitalize on the on that sort of you know young vampires biting each other sort of uh urban werewolves and stuff. I, I don't know if that's what this 
is going, what this urban fantasy thing is. I'm still trying to understand it. Well, the Suki Stackhouse books, what is that series, the mo- the show called? True, True Blood. True Blood. I mean, that's kind of urban fantasy in a rural environment. Uh, yeah, but that one's really, really, really good. <laughs> right, but I could see how someone would be like, oh, well, that formula works, so I'm going to yeah. make, make it again. <laughs> It, it, it was like sort of like uh, a David Lynch version of, of True Blood with <laughs> with uh, a lot less um, I don't know good writing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's how it seemed to me. Anyways, I didn't even get through the first episode. Did you watch well, the Arrested Development that came out? I started to, but it's 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 either not as good as it used to be, or it's. It's um uh, so much hard to get into. You know, it's it. Well, there was so it was such a long time, and I'd forgotten so much what what had happened. Mm-hmm. But but I did watch a few of them, and they're okay. But what I'm noticing is maybe they did that in the old show as well. Is is they're really just telling the same story over and over again, but from different points of view. The one episode it's from one character's point of view, and the next episode it's the same stuff. Or the same time period from a different character's point of view. Hmm. It's kind of fun, but it, yeah, okay. it doesn't seem to have the same zip as it used to. Yeah, I just heard Netflix put out a whole bunch of them. Yeah, they once. put everything out at once, which is is kind of cool. It's like getting the DVD used to be, you know. They they they've definitely. I mean, they they have a ton of shows too. They have like ten or something original series. Which is surprisingly a lot. I mean, that's more than some television networks. Competition is good. Yep. The one I watched uh, was the one about the um, the financial advisors and <laughs> I can't remember what it's called. Is that a Netflix show? Yeah. Um, there's two Netflix. House of something, House of Cards and House of Lies. House of Games. No, no, no. Okay, not I'm getting it confused. House of no, it's uh, it's that's we watched House the politics one, House of Cards. That used House to be a British show, and now they've redone yeah. it to set, be set in the South. Um, no, it's set in Washington, isn't it? Well, yeah, well the the senator is from the South. He's from South Carolina. Uh, um, so there's a lot of like local footage in it from where I live. <laughs> Oh, I got you. Because, you know, it's Kevin Spacey. Mm-hmm. So that's the one, the Netflix show that we've been watching. Then there's this other show, House of Lies, that I think is on Showtime. I get the two names confused all the time. Right. All right. So back to audiobooks. Keep <laughs> <laughs> it on track. Uh, the Lives of Tao, that's how you say it, huh. by Wesley Chu, performed by Mikhail Naramore. Now, this was a very popular one in our reviewer pool, so Marissa should feel like she won something when she oh, got it. Oh, did I? <laughs> This is an angry robot on Brilliance audio title. And we've seen something from Wesley Chu before. um, But this one sounds really funny. When out of shape IT technician Roan wakes up and starts hearing voices in his head, he naturally assumes he's losing it. He isn't. As of last night, he has a passenger in his brain, an ancient alien life form called Tao, whose race crash landed on Earth before the first fish crawled out of the oceans. So now he's training to be a hero worthy of his unwanted companion, like that's going to end up well. <laughs> yeah, the cover makes it like a kung fu story almost. Yeah. Sounds a little like uh, Scientology inspired too. Oh, maybe. Oh, yeah. 
Should be interesting. <laughs> cool. um, Marissa's got the best books. Ooh. Oh, and did I? Popped <laughs> in. It's good. Yep. Angry, angry robot, right? Mm-hmm. Again. Yeah. 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 They've been putting out some really interesting stuff. Really they, you know, I, I have a feeling they have an editor there. <laughs> what do you think? Somebody's picking stuff, anyways. Well, and I think we've stuff. talked about this before, but they're very good on DRM, not having DRM, and really nice. seeking out new writers. And I think they're going to be really important in the coming years. So Don't they have like an ebook subscription thing where you subscribe and get whatever ebook you want. Well, they just they work through NetGalley now. And they don't oh. put everything in there, but you can request review copies of titles through that system. Um, they used to do it on their own, and then I think they figured out that it made more sense to just do it through where everyone else was going. Okay. Um, you can sign up to do that, and and then if you add them to your profile, they'll know that they, they call it the Angry Robot Army. <laughs> Wait, so so who can who can get NetGalley? Do you have to have a blog, or can you just be like a Goodreads? Um, they like it first, I think, for librarians and booksellers. Okay. And so, of course, since I'm a librarian and a blogger, I think that's why I got approved. But it can't hurt nice. to try. If you say yeah. you're a podcaster, which well, is that's Tom. true. <laughs> yeah, say it, Tom. Say I it. Tom only. I'm Tom. Oh, Tom. Right. <laughs> say it, Tom. Say it. Um, okay, huh. so we have one more kind of that fits within the genre that we'll talk about. I think we should skip most of the non SFF stuff today just for time, but we can put a list up online. Um, This one is called 14 by Peter Kleins, performed by Ray Porter. This one's Brilliance Audio, and it's 11 CDs. And it has mutant cockroaches (laughs) and strange light fixtures. There are odd things about Nate's new apartment. (laughs) So it looks, it's it's one of those books I don't really know what it's about, but I think that's kind of the appeal. It's kind of a mysterious. I saw something online that described it as but fit in an apartment, I guess. <laughs> well, described it as what? In the style of Lost, the TV series. Uh, oh. Ah. Well, there there is a um a story I keep trying to get a hold of um and read uh called The Lost Room, and that is, I think is Fitz James O'Brien wrote years and years and years ago, and it's about a a person who takes up residence in an uh, an apartment building and. Uh, maybe the previous owners disappeared in it. They they went in, they never came out. Yeah. And uh, that is uh, isn't there a Stephen King movie, TV show, book or something that's like 1608? Maybe it's not Stephen King. Um, I think it sounds it's familiar. The, yeah, it's like a. It was some kind of a sci-fi miniseries called The Lost. Yeah, Room. The, that Lost Room. I I wonder if that's related. I'm not sure. I also have an iPad game that's something like that, <laughs> where it's like kind of like Mist. They don't tell you what to do. You have to figure it out on your own. Oh, I love those. What's what that one called? I think it's called The Lost Room. I'll have to look that one up because I got oh, cool. frustrated and I quit just like I quit Mist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not very patient. Uh, okay, so let's skip down to some of the titles that have come in from um, Simon & Schuster and Random House. What we do is we get emails from them, and then we send which titles we are interested in. I think the number one title that most people will be interested in is Joyland by Stephen King, read by Michael Kelly. This comes from... Sam, you're halfway through that, aren't you? Yeah, I read like 100 pages. What do you I think so far? Long, right? It's not it's, super long. It's kind of like a... Is it offensive to say a chick book? Uh-huh. It's a very emotional, 
just like worrying about his girlfriend. There's not really anything hor- horrifying happening yet. Maybe there's like a big character build up to it. I don't. I don't know if it's gonna have a horror setting at but, all. Does but, it? But this is this is a hard case crime book. Shouldn't that be like purient and lurid for? Uh, well, I you would say you would say that it should have crime in it, anyways. Right. But the problem with with hard case crime and Stephen King is that Stephen King is Stephen King. Right. And so when when I think Charles Ardai uh, heard that Stephen King might be interested in in writing a story for uh, his his book series. It's not really a series, it's book imprint. Um, he said, yeah, hell yeah, I'll take anything you write, right? Because it's Stephen King. Um, but the first one that he did was Hard Case Crime number 13. Uh, that was turned into a TV show uh, that I think is still going. That was about baseball? Uh, no, it was, it's, I think it's filmed here, but it's set oh. in Maine, of course. Um, and I'm trying to remember the name of it. But it was, uh, what was the name of that? Hard Case Crime Number 13. I, I even heard it. I think Scott did a review of it. Hard Case Crime 13. Let's see what we got here. Colorado Kid. Uh, Colorado Kid. And that's a TV show that's still going. Uh, oh. What the hell's the name of that show? Oh, um, Living with an H? Uh, Heaven's Reach or something like that. Haven. Haven. It's Haven. I think that's the, the the town that it was set in. Um, and I didn't really see why it needed a television show based on that story, but I guess it just all things came together and it worked really well. But the story had crime? Very tenuously, because okay. I think the re- it was a reporter who was investigating a crime, and at the end of the, of the story, we found out how the crime occurred. Uh, but it it all happened, you know, in backstory. So yeah, this seems the same way. Like there's a murder that takes place in a uh, haunted house. Like it takes place in a carnival. And there's a haunted house, mm-hmm. and a mur- they mentioned the murder took place in, a, in this haunted house, and there might be a ghost. But so far, nothing has come to the <laughs> forefront. It's just mostly this this uh, sad young man. A lot about he's a lot about uh, about he's not about so much about action as he is about setting. I think. King. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it, he, I mean, I have, I have like ADD, so the fact that I get the <laughs> is pretty good. It's got really good reviews kind of, on. Huh? Uh, I would say, I would say, um, it's it's worth reading. Stephen King's a good writing, a uh, good yeah. writer. Um, just based on the fact that I haven't read that one, but I, I did read the previous Hard Case Crime one, and um. And I, did you get the copy you got at the bookstore, wherever you're reading it? Did it have the uh, map back cover? The what? The map back cover. Um, when you go back to the book, it has a map of the story. Not that I remember. Oh, you guys know what a map back is? <laughs> like a style of book yep. from the 1950s? Dell Books made something called the map backs. It's oh. like. So on the front cover, it has, you know, the, the, the title and then the author name and the, a cool picture. But then you'd flip it over and on the back, it would tell you, like, here's the setting for this story and all the places. So, like, for example, it's a locked room mystery set in a hotel. And it would show you, like, the elevator and where someone is murdered and where somebody's room is and 
that sort of thing. Or it would have like a an adventure book and it would have like um the the plotting of the airplane trip or something like that. And it was it was like so while you're reading it, instead of flipping just to the cover and seeing, oh, that's the scene on the cover, you can like flip it to the back and you say, Oh, that's the scene of the uh that's where we are now in the book and I can see where we're going. It's it was like a really, really fun uh way of making you read the book. Hmm. And uh so for the for this uh hard hard case crime has always been, you know, gorgeous cover art. That is a gorgeous cover art, right? Beautiful by original artists from the era. I think Charles Hardy said something like uh, we wanted to uh, make you think that there was a publishing company that never went out of business from the 1950s, 60s, 70s paperbacks. Hmm. Um, and when you look at them, they're just gorgeous to collect and hold and, and you know, compare. And when he made this new Stephen King book, which I think is the second one uh, hard, for Hard Case Crime, what he did was he said, yep, we're going to do that. And then we're also going to add this other sort of, not just gorgeous cover, but also gorgeous back art. And I think it might just be in one of the limited editions, or uh, I think there's like three different ways the book's been released, but there's no ebook because huh. they want to make you read paper. Um, I'm going to interrupt us for a moment. Sorry. <laughs> because, no, we need to have a moment of silence. They just posted on BBC News that Ian M. Banks died. Oh no! Yeah. What? So, because he he announced two months ago that he was he had terminal cancer, um, but he just passed away today. So uh, I thought he had more time. Yeah, I think everyone did. So we're. I just wanted oh, us wow. to have a little moment. Um, Ian M. Banks, of course, is the author of the culture novels in our world, and he's also published literary novels under the name Ian Banks with no M. <laughs> So I actually just read the second culture novel last month, and one of the books I had pulled up to talk about today is the audiobook of the sixth culture novel in versions that just got released in Audible. So I just wanted us oh. to draw attention to that. It's just very sad. Wow. And so his you, most... you read Player of Games? Yeah, I finally read that one. Uh, how was that? It was interesting. I think, is that the one everyone says is the best one, or is it the one after? Yeah, that's what I've heard. No, I've heard that's one of the best ones. Yeah. I think I won't really have a grasp on the entire culture world until I've read all of them, because it it seems like he goes in a lot of different directions, you know, focuses on different planets, different people, different times. So it's kind of cool to create a world that you can just write whatever you feel like writing for each book. Mm-hmm. I'm not Very sure funny. that they go consecutive exactly, so... Looking at the Wikipedia entry right up to date on this, saying, you know, it's already got quotes <laughs> about death. Wow. Wow. Yeah, and... Um, I've I, not read any of his stuff. Oh, really? I think you would like the culture novels. That's what I keep thinking. Yeah. I just... It's a big, sprawling, long-running series, and I'm I'm always afraid of those, but... Where? Which one did you start with? The second one? Well, did you say? I had read the first one earlier, but I don't think you need to read them in order for them to make sense. Um, okay. But the second Would you one is the second one. Yeah, I think so. Was that considered Phlebas? Is that what you said? No, that's number one. Um, player of games. Player of games. Okay. Have a look. And we we have one up for review. Um. Well, there's a new release one in Audible 
Inversions, which is number six of the Culture series. Um, it just came out on the 6th of June. It's from Hatchet Audio. And it was... Hachette. It's Hatchet. Hatchet. Not Hatchet. Well. Hatchet. It's French. Not Hatchet. Forgive my pronunciation. Um, it's funny <laughs> because I was reading some reviews of it because I couldn't really figure out where it fit because I don't really have a grasp on that universe. And people are like, you wouldn't even know this is necessarily a culture novel except for this one detail, but the detail is a spoiler. So hmm. that's what the review said. But I don't okay. know enough about it to understand how where it fits. But the cover is cool. <laughs> it's like kind of like... Birch has reviewed it. Yeah. Well, because the book has been out since 98. Um, but I think the, aud- the Audible version is new. Okay. Anyway, thanks for indulging me on that. But I guess that's well, a good, good transition over into some of our Audible stuff. Audible mm-hmm. and Downpour and anything else that we have. New. Uh, so we're, are we done with the uh, the list here? I think we've touched on the best stuff. Okay. Uh, you forgot to mention Brick by Brick. Oh, well, that book was just for you, right? Lego? <laughs> but basically, <laughs> Uh, I, I've got to read this for you. Yes. <laughs> brick by Brick, How Lego Rewrote the Rules of Innovation and Conquered the Global Toy Industry. Um, I'm not actually all that interested in business books, you know, and this sounds like a, you know, history of, of a corporation's turning uh, turning around profits, and that doesn't sound interesting to me at all, but I, I did listen to a sample of the uh, audiobook, and it talked about visiting the 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 head offices, I guess, in this small town in in Denmark, and they were saying that on every desk and in every conference room, there's like Lego. <laughs> I was like, oh, cool. But they have like bowls of Lego so that I guess during the, the meeting, you know, you can reach over and put some <laughs> together and, and it, it doesn't feel like work as much when you can, you know, instead of doodling, you can you can build a, a picture of a really boring speaker boring his audience. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. Um, and then in, e- in every um, cubicle, there's like tons of everybody has their own, you know, designs. I think that that uh, aspect of it is pretty cool because I do like my Lego. It's, it's, it's a it's a artistic medium, I think. But it can be. It should be, be an interesting. <laughs> read. Yeah. Uh, do we know how long that is? It's it's probably. Uh, my guess. No, you know, it's funny. Some of these audiobook publisher sites, when I go there, I they won't have a, a length at all. Like, not hours, not discs. <laughs> I always have to go find the information other places. Hmm. Let's see if I can find Dear it. Dear publishers, <laughs> please tell us how long your books are. Um, Downpour does a really good job of that, because you can even sort by length if you want to. Like, if you're looking for a book to read, but you don't want something longer than 10 hours or... <laughs> I really like that feature. Yeah, that's that's very handy. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, uh, if we're heading into new releases, mm-hmm. um, there's something there that I think is very cool. Um, they've got Edward Herman's uh, new reading of At the Mountains of Madness uh, by H.P. Lovecraft, which is probably the only novel by Lovecraft. There's some novelette-length things, novel novella-length things, but that's the only novel that mm. he wrote. At the Mountains of Madness. So I imagine you'll be listening to that. I'm actually thinking of using a credit on it, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the um, 
I've read bits of it before, but I don't think I've read it from beginning to end uh, ever. It's kind of interesting. It's a it's the story of a university's expedition to Antarctica. And, um, you know, sort of there's a lot of the uh, professors of uh, geology and biology fighting over, you know, sort of, um, uh, well, not fighting over you know, like who's going to, who's going to do what, but the, it's like a very expensive 1930s expedition to South America, uh, to Antarctica from, uh, Miskatonic university in, in, uh, Massachusetts. And so, um, it's got a, uh, it's got a very cool feel to it that is a bit different from a lot of Lovecraft's other things. Mm-hmm. So, and Edward Herman's a very, cool uh narrator he's old school uh he's also you probably would recognize him from some movies or something if you're i think he was on the gilmore girls right isn't that him (laughs) i never watched the gilmore girls but i wouldn't be surprised he's sort of a character actor um let's see if what what he's best known for (laughs) Mm, filmography yes he um he's rory gilmore's grandfather the you know wealthy you know, old school Yale graduate. <laughs> he's a he's a very very good actor, and uh, I think that might be a really good audiobook. He's he's sort of someone you would recognize. He you know he's been on everything from Mash to Thirty Rock, um, and uh, he's more of a guest character than a you know recurring. Maybe he was a recurring on Gilmore. I never watched that show, so. Well, and I can imagine his voice, like he he would fit very well in Lovecraftian times. I think mm-hmm. so. That would that would probably be great. A professorial voice very to nice. him. <laughs> so I think I think this might be a very good book, and it's only four hours. I think something like that. So I'm, uh, that was the I, you know I looked at Audible. I didn't see a lot um, in the science fiction and fantasy department there, but that was the one on Downpour that uh, was really interesting to me. Well, I have a few that I've pulled out. Um, oh, cool. One from Downpour, The Shambling Guide to New York City by Mer Lafferty, read by yeah. Mer Lafferty. Um, she actually had put this out gradually through her podcast and then took the episodes down when this was published. So I caught maybe one or two of those. No, I, I think it's still out. Is it still out? Well, she said so. in the intro that it was going to be taken back down again. So maybe yeah, that, I think maybe at the yeah. end of the year she'll take it down. Okay. Um, and it's basically about a travel writer who works for a publishing company in New York that has to write a a guide for the city for the undead. <laughs> hmm. So it's just kind of a, a fun take on some of that urban fantasy stuff, and the cover is kind of fun with a. You see it like a reporter writer. Yeah, a very cool looking cover. Yeah, and she's yeah I think walking it's towards by a you. It looks like it. Well, and if you start looking at the details, like the person walking away has a tail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, little things like that. So, um, and I, you know, I like her voice a lot. I'm used to her voice from her podcast, so it's nice to have it read by her. Yeah, me too. And this one's nine hours. Um, I should also point out on Downpour uh, already uh, is this collection of public domain audiobooks read uh, by professional narrators who are recording for charity. Uh, it's a project that we have already podcast, uh, not recorded, 
before our recording is happening, it's not actually out, but it'll be out by the time this podcast is out. Um, it's called Going Public in Shorts. Uh, and I guess the entire the, Going Public is the, the name of the blog. And Spoken Freely is this set of, of uh, short stories and poems and nonfiction pieces, speeches. Um, and there's Philip K. Dick and Edgar Allan Poe and many, many others, including, I think, Abraham Lincoln. Just 38 different very cool pieces by every kind of audiobook narrator who's working today. So the one by Mark Turetsky is available now. That's uh, Beyond Lies the Wub. Very good Philip Kiddick short story. And Mark Turetsky, he's got a good voice. He's he's like kind of uh, like a Kirby Hayborn. Uh, but also does pranks on Quebec. So, uh, he has an ability to do things that the others don't. <laughs> um, so I'll put that out there as well. Check those out. They're, they're, um, all over, uh, audiobook and book blogs right now and throughout the month of June. And they're all showing up on, uh, downpour right now. And didn't you do like an interview with XE or? XE, yeah, XE like Sands. Yeah, that's related to that. Yes, yes, she's the coordinator, and she also does uh, the yellow wallpaper, which ah. is a very, very good story. Yeah. And she's a good reader. Well, we did a read-along of that, didn't we? We did. Yeah. We did, indeed. That was a great one. It was. It was one of our best podcasts and uh, one of the best uh, stories, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Tam just posted a link to The Shining Girls by Lauren Bukes, which came out in audio the same day as the print on the 4th of June. Um, I read a, a review copy of this in print in, I think, January. I've been waiting forever for it to come out for everyone else. Um, Lauren Bukes before had written kind of urban fantasy, kind of cyberpunk books, but this one is more of a horror novel um, about a serial killer that time travels. Mm-hmm. Um it's fascinating. And like, I don't think you even realize how good it is until you get to the end and go back to the beginning again and you see how there's all these details that she's planned out. It, it's cool. really well done. I love those books. Yeah, and I kind of want to listen to the audio. I noticed that it's narrated by six different people, which would fit oh. so well with the book and its different characters and time periods. And I may have mm. to listen to it, even though I've already read it. Cool. Have you tried it, it, Cam? Yeah, I tried the beginning. I, I didn't really get into it that much. It's it's not very reader friendly. It seems she she wants to challenge you a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I, I've heard so many good things about it that I, I'm not. I haven't given up on it yet. Well, and it's just I, not obvious at all at the beginning what's going on. Like you, okay. you have to kind of hang in there a little bit. And I heard her on um, some book podcast. And I think she chose like. Different women throughout history that had like a historical significance or something, or maybe they were all feminists or something. Is that hmm. true? Um, I don't remember the characters being people I recognized, but that's possible. It's or, funny or for because... some reason they were shining because they did something significant in history. Is that yeah, right? there's there there's something that makes the serial killer know that he wants these certain women, but I'm not really sure. I guess I don't know if I remember why they were important. Okay. It's funny because it's set in Chicago in the suburbs of Chicago and she's South African. Um, but I felt like she captured the city really well. 
Mm-hmm. I think she lived there for a short time. Oh, okay, that makes so. sense. But it seems to have, have a lot of historical research. Oh yeah, it has to. Because you know the time travel part. <laughs> yeah. Very recommended though. Huh. And it's published did you by write a Hesh- review Hesh- already for your uh, reading envy blog? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. I'm gonna have to go look at that. And I retweeted it the day the book came out, just because it felt like it had been so long ago that I reviewed it. See, this is when you should call it Hatchet Publishing. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, right. I made the first. I made that mistake as well. Hmm. That's why it's fun. It's like a challenge to read those fantasy novel descriptions. How would you ever know how to pronounce the words? <laughs> Some are not designed to be read aloud. But when you see that in a book, Marissa, do you say? Um, this is unpronounceable. Do you tell no. them that? <laughs> you just have no. to say nothing. <laughs> no, they've usually thought about that beforehand. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it, you just pronounce it however you want, really. Like, sometimes I don't even mind. Hmm. Have your imagination reads it. Yeah, I mean, you, 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 I remember when I used to read a lot of those fantasy books like that, and it was... It was, uh, you sort of, you make up your own way of saying it. Yeah. And you talk to someone else about the book and, <laughs> yeah. this character, who? <laughs> and you say, oh, you mean, and then you name that name in your head and, and it was like, but you're pronouncing it wrong. There's an X in there. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's just what I call them. I think for audiobooks, okay, audiobook. I think, oh, go ahead. I think probably going to say the same thing. With audiobooks, they get the, the exact same thing. They have to choose something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've heard sometimes they actually contact the author if if they're nice about it and get like a pronunciation guide. Mm. I guess it varies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember uh, the good example of that was um, in Ringworld. Uh, Ringworld's main character is, uh, by Larry Niven, is... Uh, L-O-U-I-S. How do you pronounce that name? Lewis. Okay. Louis. Louis. Louis or Lewis, right? Right. Yeah. Well, last name is Wu. W-W-U. Louis Wu. Yeah. <laughs> Wu or Lewis Wu. You have a choice, but they sound different, right? Yeah. Wu and his motley crew. <laughs> that's one of the chapter names. And I was thinking, well, that's how it's Louis Wu. Or is it Lewis Wu? <laughs> and I was thinking, well, if it's Lewis, it was probably L-E-W-I-S <laughs> for some reason. So I think it's Louis. Because I think it's it, the idea was it's the future. It's the, it's far in the future. And you take a Chinese-French uh, guy and you mix them together rather than a Lewis, which sounds more American, right? So hmm. that, that's my thinking. Um. So I have another audible one. Okay. If we can. Um, this came out at the end of May. It's the Shift Omnibus Edition. Um, so it covers Shift 1 through 3, part of the Silo Saga by Hugh Howey. Right. Um, Everybody's reading this. Oh, my gosh. I read the Silo set and loved it. It's about this kind of post-apocalyptic time. All of the people left on Earth that you know of anyway live in these underground silos. They can't leave. There's no um, 
there is electricity because they have computers and servers, but you have to get from floor to floor just by going up and down the stairs, and it's like huge. So you you kind of stay where you live and where you work. Um, and so the shift books are supposed to give some of the backstory. So I wouldn't start with these. Um, and I called something the Silo series, but it's known as Wool. I've heard that when they're re-releasing it, they might rename it to Silo. But um, So I guess the, the backstory has something to do with the Center for Automation and Nanobiotech um, created robots smaller than human cells that can wipe out memory of any traumatic event. So that's an interesting, even just like thinking about the context of the wool stories, um, how that might figure in, I have no idea. So I'm really excited to either listen to this or read this. It's narrated yeah, by Tim good. Gerard Reynolds, who I don't think I know. He's, he's, um, he's everywhere right now, Hugh Howie. Oh, yeah. Hmm. But uh, I think Luke just did a review of Wool and the the follow up. I th- might be the one you're talking about. Yeah, sure. Yeah, did he? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I uh, started but, uh, that. There's dozens. There's like a dozen books by oh nine. Okay, nine books by him on Audible. It's crazy. Yeah. You started it, Marissa? Yeah, I just I got the first one the other night because it's free as well. I think on Amazon and. Uh... I started at like one o'clock in the morning for some ridiculous reason, and I couldn't stop reading it. And then like at four a.m. I finished it. Oh, I know they just it's pull you so in. So good. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Yeah, so I have to buy them all now. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I keep hearing that. Yeah. You haven't tried that one yet. This is like a zombie plague. Everybody's reading it. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've only yeah, read the first okay. story. The but, first. Uh, but it can't be the same characters, right? In the next one, right? I don't know. They're really good. Cool. <laughs> um, I, yeah, Sword and Laser just did a. That was their book of the month too. Yeah. When I actually read in the right month. <laughs> yeah, I don't really keep up. Another book that came out June 4th that Scott kept emailing me to say, do we get a copy of this yet? Do we get a copy of this yet? <laughs> is um, Earth of Fire by Orson Scott Card and Aaron Johnson. Yeah. This is another one that's narrated by a whole cast of people. Stephen Hoy, Hoy? <laughs> Arthur <laughs> Mori, Stefan Rudnicki, because Adam, Gabrielle, De- why do people have these hard names? De-cure. Roxanne Hernandez and Emily Rankin. Um, so it's it's kind of like a prequel to Ender's Game. So I know that he's pretty excited to listen to that one. And it's out. You know the w- audiobook that I haven't seen that I want to see somebody make? Um, I think he was on Geek's Guide to the Galaxy the other day. He's the author of Fair Coin. Have you seen this book? Mm-hmm. Really cool looking cover. Um, I've heard of it. And I think there's a second book as well. Uh, E.C. Myers. Very, very cool looking, uh, story. Cool looking cover. Hmm. Um, it's got pretty good ratings. Um, just read the description here. Ephraim is horrified when he comes home from school one day to find his mother unconscious at the kitchen table, clutching a bottle of pills. Even more disturbing than her suicide attempt is the reason for it, the dead boy she identified at the hospital that afternoon, a boy who exi- looks exactly like him. 
While examining his dead double's belongings, Ephraim discovers a strange coin that makes his wishes come true each time he flips it. Before long, he's wished his alcoholic mother into a model parent and girl, and the girl he's liked since grade school, second grade, suddenly notices him. But Ephraim soon realizes that the coin comes with consequences. Several wishes go disastrously wrong. His best friend Nathan becomes obsessed with the coin, and the world begins to change in unexpected ways. As Ephraim learns the coin's secrets and how to control its power, he must find a way for him to keep it from Nathan and return the world to the way he remembers it. Cool. So it's, it's kind of like the uh, the monkey's paw, except no- novel length. Um, and uh, it's, it seems like it's a YA uh, that yeah. got, you know, kind of a cool feel to it. Cool cover, too. I, I really like the, the way they... I mean, sometimes you see that the way they do covers and you think, ah, they're just not doing that much work. This one, it looks like it probably wasn't that hard to put together, but it's kind of got a, um, it makes you want to read it. Yeah, it's pretty eye-catching. It's a, it's a YA book, right? Yeah. Yeah, it sounds YA to me. Mm-hmm. Um, Actually, but, YA books have pretty nice covers if you if look in the book. Yeah, usually. Usually. And pretty nice writing, too, in my experience. Oh, sure. Um. And didn't Tam you didn't you post something about uh, YA being mostly first person? I think we were talking yeah, about I, that. Yeah, I found I found the quote about that somewhere. Yeah, you guys were denying me that it wasn't true. <laughs> no, I, I think that's right. <laughs> no, I I disagreed, but I'd have to do a study to prove it. <laughs> well, I, I just think of all the Heinlein ones, and Heinlein is oh, actually I think it was a, a post by uh, um, uh, the Mockingbirds guy. Chuck Wendig? Chuck Wendig, yeah. He was talking about um, writing for YA, like, like uh-huh. 28 points of YA, and that was one. Right. I think uh-huh. that's right. I, I also wanted to point out that um, the other thing that attracted me to that, that book that's not an audio book yet um, is the title, Fair Coin. Is, I, I like it when people take um, a, sort of a strange concept you've just barely heard of and write a book using that title. I mean, that's how Hollywood works, right? They, they, they take some, some, you know, collateral damage. <laughs> they make a whole mm-hmm. movie based on that phrase that you've sort of heard in the background or shock and awe or something like that, right? But fair coin is a term I've, I've heard. Um, but, uh, you, you sort of hear it in, um, in philosophy departments and that sort of thing. I just looked it up here. It says in probability theory, and statistics, a sequence of independent Bernoulli trials with a probability of one half of success on each trial is metaphorically called a fair coin. Well, one for which the probability is not one half is called a biased or unfair coin. And of course, that makes sense, right? But thing, the idea of a of fairness is a very interesting concept to explore as well. And and so it just it, the all the um, all the mystery of phrases like that is, I think, why the titles are so attractive, as opposed to, like, you know, the mystery of Chalion or the curse of Chalion. It, we don't know what Chalion is. We know what a curse is, but, it, you know, that title doesn't itself bear any um, uh, baggage that you, you know, might want to rifle through, if you follow my metaphor. <laughs> 
Well, it's funny that you just recommended book one in a series. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I did. <laughs> but I, I'm most likely to read uh, the first book in a series because what can we do? Right. Just pretend there's no book two. Yeah. Well, you know, it is. Uh, maybe there's only two books, and it's that wouldn't, that. wouldn't that be refreshing? Like two sides of a coin. Ha. Oh. <laughs> we should suggest it. <laughs> Please write no more. <laughs> and they should publish it in one book. Yeah, dos a dos. Uh, yeah, like a uh, uh, cover. Yeah, an ace double style. That would <laughs> work. Um. So I have an upcoming release book that I want to talk about because uh, we probably won't do another episode like this until July. Mm-hmm. And it is the much anticipated book by Neil Gaiman, read by Neil Gaiman, The Ocean at the End of the Lane. Right. This comes out June June 18th. Um, and you have it already on that couch. No, I don't, actually. They didn't need to put any out because I think they assume everyone's going to read it. If you're typing, mm-hmm. press me. Um... The the most surprising thing is that it's five hours and forty nine minutes long, so it's really not a long book at all for all the hype that it's been getting. Um, of course, I'll read this though because I love Neil Gaiman. Um, do you want me to read the description? Please. Okay, Sussex, England. A middle aged man returns to his childhood home to attend a funeral. He is drawn to the farm at the end of the road, where, when he was seven, he encountered a most remarkable girl, Letty Hemstock. He hasn't thought of Letty in decades, and yet, sitting by the pond, a pond that she'd claimed was an ocean, the unremembered past comes flooding back. Forty years earlier, a man committed suicide in a stolen car at his farm at the end of the road. Like a fuse on a firework, his death lit a touch paper and resonated in unimaginable ways. The darkness was unleashed, something scary and thoroughly incomprehensible to a little boy. And Letty, magical, comforting, wise beyond her years, promised to protect him no matter what. So to me, this is kind of the Neil Gaiman of um, maybe the graveyard book. It sounds Mm -hmm. kind of... Similar with the focus on a younger character. Yeah, and Coraline, same. Yes, true. Same sort of. Uh, but he does a lot of those. He did uh, Odd and the Frost Giants. Right. Um, but it's because he has kids. Right? He says, yeah, he used to be a star. Yeah, but his, his kids are getting older now, so. Well. And he tries to scare the crap out of them. Yeah. <laughs> like the wolves <laughs> in the walls. <laughs> Coraline. I like to hear his YAs. I think they're really good. I guess they're almost younger than YA, aren't they? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I don't think they're necessarily intended for that audience. This this one and and, uh, the Graveyard book, not necessarily. Maybe they are. Um, I don't know. His voice is such a great storytelling voice, though, that I would go with the audio over the print for these anyway. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Um did you did you see that Audible was releasing a free audiobook for promoting this? It made me think that the that there was a that it was a short story collection. But it it was just like they released an unrelated Neil Gaiman story. Yeah, I downloaded it but I haven't listened to it yet. Okay, so that's the interesting part, right? So which one did you download? I'm looking because here. Because what happened was, as soon as it it was announced, uh, I think on Twitter or something, I went and downloaded it, um, and it was a story I don't think I had read before, 
And then a short while later, I was going to post about it, and I noticed that the book had changed. They had changed the story. And when I went and looked at my browser history, or not my browser history, my Audible um, library, it had showed that I had previously downloaded a book I had not downloaded. Weird. Because they changed the, the, the story. The the one that they originally had was, um, I've got it on my device somewhere. Um, but the, then they changed it to Shagatso Peculiar, which is one that I've, I had read since I'd read before. And so it was like, this is one of those cases that, you know, uh, I thought Audible was different from the Kindle and that the Kindle, they can go in and take things off of your, your Kindle. Um, now they didn't actually remove it from my iPod, but they did say that I downloaded something I hadn't. So if I delete the thing that's on my iPhone, or my iPod, the, um, the version I would get when I redownload is a different story. So what do you have that's downloaded? Because I never actually downloaded it to my device. I just, you know, purchased it, quote unquote. But to yeah. Mess things up. I've also got a uh, new phone. So oh. um, see if I can find it. Because the description in my library online. Full colors is what I got. Uh-huh. I wonder what happened. And it was, well, if you go to the, the comments, on that book, uh, Shaga Sold Peculiar, um, apparently it was getting really terrible reviews. Um, Cold Colors was. And I guess the idea was they were trying to promote the book, so they didn't want, um, they didn't want a, uh, you know, a whole bunch of negative reviews before, <laughs> which makes sense, right? But the fact that it went in and changed, like, instead of offering a different link and a different free one, by changing it that way, it, it was like sort of Big Brother-ish and that you're rewriting history. Yeah, I guess they don't feel as bad about it since you didn't pay anything for it in I the guess. first place. Yeah, yeah they, that don't, is they don't normally remove things that like they've, you know, they take out of the catalog. It doesn't come out of your yeah. your download history normally. So that was kind of scary. Oh, the world is just Big Brother these days. Pretty much. Just slightly. Slightly uh, less boot stomping and more uh, uh, rifling through your bags. Yeah, every time I post a review these days, I mention something to the NSA. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's all, they're all reading it anyways. That's right. Uh, there's a uh, George Orwell on Twitter. Yes, I follow said, him uh, now. <laughs> recently, he said, "I told you so." Yeah. Well, I guess you, you retweeted that, right? Yeah. I mean, I've read enough dystopia that I, I guess it doesn't seem that foreign to me, but it's still disappointing. All right. I, I've got a couple of paper books I, I think we should talk about before okay. we get any further along. Um, I got one a while ago, and this is the it came right after our last new releases, so um, it's been sitting here un, unloved. Blope. B-L-O-P-E. There's a strange title. Lope, a story of segregation, comma, plastic surgery, and religion gone wrong by Sean Benham. And I'm going to read the back here. I think this is, it doesn't say it's a Lulu book, so I don't, I, I, I don't know if that means self-published, but a paper book. It's just surprising that I got this somehow. 
Son of Satan and grandson of the Messiah, Billy Lopez was born with a sordid lineage, an ancestry that has been veiled since birth. Now he's wa a wanted man, forced to flee the only life he's ever known, and where he's headed isn't pretty. Born into the United Prefectures of America, a colony doubling as an experiment in severe racial segregation, Billy was destined for a life of state-controlled mediocrity until he let the most benign element of his forbidden heritage slip. A white teenager surreptitiously raised in an all-brown prefecture, he, his cover has been blown. He is, has to leave the upper-crust privileges of F prefecture behind and make his escape into M, a dirt-poor, bone-white prefecture, one that isn't listed on any map. And it's, it makes me think of Hunger Games, uh, sort of alternate uh, future or... Well, some of the reviews are comparing it to Philip K. Dick, so someone out there just knows that you like Philip K. Dick. <laughs> you might be right. They were reading uh, your mind. <laughs> it's got a cover that's um, kind of uh, like The Man in the High Castle, mm. uh, which is a, you know, a great uh, alternate history. So this might be an alternate history. I mean, United Prefectures of America, that makes me think of uh, Japan taking over the United States, which is part of what's going on in in uh, the Man of High Castle, mm -hmm. so that's that's one. And um, I, I guess I should, now that I've talked about it, I should probably have a little read of it too. <laughs> um, the other one I've got here is uh, an Ellie Modisett Jr. I guess Tor is thinking I'm a Ellie Modisett Jr. fan when I've never read an Ellie Modisett Jr. book. Um, it's called Antiagon Fire, and it's a big, brand-new hardcover. Uh, so there's not much on the back, but I'll just read the inside flyleaf uh, first paragraph. The hard-won bottles fought in Imager's Battalion have earned the Imager Quaird a promotion to commander as well as an assignment to convince the Farsi High Council in the nation of Kel to submit to Lord Bayar's rule. If he succeeds, it will be a major step towards unifying the entire continent of Solidar under one rule. Joined by his pregnant wife, Valoria, who is Behar's Behar sister, Quayert leads an army as well as a handful of imagers deep into the hostile lands once ruled by the tyrannical Rex, Karst. And then there's a quote saying, perhaps the best so far from Kirkus. Anybody read a Eli Modisette? I've heard the name. Nope. I've never read it. Writes fantasy, right? Uh, it looks to be fantasy. Yeah, there's uh, eagles and uh, hawks on the cover. Can you there's spell a... the first word in that title? A n t i a g o n. A n t i a g o n. Yeah, there it is. Okay, thanks. Yeah, on fire, and it's a new audiobook with 10 ratings, uh, 4.9 out of 10, or 4.9 out of 5, I should say. Huh. This is good. Skip some of the questions that would have made it great. What this might make right. So book seven in this long-running... Oh, it's narrated by William Dufries. Hmm. This guy's written a lot of series. Goodness. Yeah, well, there's there's only seven on Audible, uh, but looks like the entire Antiagon's Imager series. And the first one is Imager. Mm. I, I think I've got one of these before. It sounds familiar. I think that must be why it sounds familiar. 
Mm-hmm. And the first one has uh overall rating of 4 out of 5 with 542 voters, which is pretty high. Okay. Um, so, any other paper matters? Nope, I haven't gotten anything recently. Okay, that's uh, an interesting sign, I think. Why are they sending me the paper? <laughs> All right. Um, I also I wanted to ask you guys what podcasts you're listening to. Tam, did you make a list? No, um, but uh, I mean, I always listen to Sword and Laser and Dan Carlin's Common Sense. Uh, and hardcore what history when it comes out? Not really. No, you're not a hardcore history guy. No, I sh- I should be. I I don't know much history. I, I should learn more. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> wow. Um, he did one recently. Um, on uh a piece of German history about one town that sort of went crazy with the uh, a a religious uh sort of furor after um. After the uh, Lutheran uh, reforms, and uh, it was it was like the craziest story, and it's just like a really nice sort of one one episode uh, piece of what Dan Carlin does. You know, he sort of he spreads these things out over six, seven episodes sometimes, and they're you know five six hours of at least they're audiobook length. Um, sort of him talking about something that he's found fascinating in history, but that one is all in one. So if if you guys haven't tried that, that that might be a good place to start. Very fascinating. Did he just do um, a four-hour episode? Yeah, I think that's the one I'm okay. talking about. It's like <laughs> one four-hour episodes, rather, rather like six four-hour episodes or whatever. Um, but yeah, he his podcast is really amazing, and I do I I I like. Common sense as well, but um, hardcore history is where I started with him, and I, I'm always excited when a new one comes out. Um, and you you said sword and laser, but that's uh, isn't that video only now? No, no, no well that that's over. They used to be on the um, what was that network? The Geek, YouTube Geek and Sundry. Geek and yeah. Sundry. But uh, I guess they got canceled, but they mutually ended it. So now oh. they're just audio again. Oh, for the moment. Well, that always made more sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just had uh, Bo- Luis McMaster Bujold on for like over an hour. Mm-hmm. Okay. They, had, they had questions okay. from Goodreads and they had questions from the audience. It was, it was really good. Okay. Yeah, that's one I always in- make time to either watch or listen to. You know, because I have a three-minute commute. I don't listen to a <laughs> lot of podcasts, ironically. Um, they've that got some really good... Sorry, uh, they've some really good guests lately, like Joe Haldeman and... Um, uh, Kim Stanley Robinson they just had on. They had some mm-hmm. really good stuff on. Yeah, they've developed oh, quite good. a presence for themselves. The and they, and they, they crowdsource the questions from Goodreads, so there's all these intelligent questions that they mm-hmm. ask. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jenny, you're saying you don't listen to a lot of podcasts. No, I tend to like kind of pick and choose certain episodes from certain podcasts. I probably have eight or nine that I look at. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorites. One of my favorites is KCRW Bookworm. It's just right. literary fiction, really um, intelligent 
interviews with authors and the host, Michael Silverblatt, always asks questions that actually seem to make the authors think. Which <laughs> I appreciate. Um, so I pick and choose from that. And then a whole bunch of the science fiction fantasy ones, I just listen to them if I'm interested in them. I used to listen to Geek's Guide to the Galaxy all the time, but I don't have as much time for that anymore. But I really I like that one most of the time. Uh, writing excuses I tend to listen to. I listen to a good story. It's hard to find if I've seen the movie or watched the book, but mm-hmm. and it's the same with that one and with this with Luke's podcast. I don't like listening to discussions of things I haven't read or seen. That makes sense to so me. I have this whole list of Luke's stuff that I go back to. Mm-hmm. I, I but I don't listen to his as they come out. I just use the episode list basically. Um once I've read something. And my other one I always listen to is the Savage Lovecast, which has nothing to do with reading or science fiction, <laughs> but it's interesting anyway. <laughs> and he has a new book out. That's a radio show as well, isn't it? Uh, I think he may have a radio show. I think sometimes he was on another person's show. I guess I don't really know. He gets around. <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying, Jenny? Oh, you know. <laughs> it's fascinating. <laughs> Marissa, what what about you? Are you a podcast listener? Yeah, I listen to Heat. Um, but I kind of pick and choose as well, like the different episodes. But I've just started listening to WTF by Mark Maron. Mark? I just did a, yeah, I just did a review of his book for you guys as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, yeah, he's got really cool interviews with like comedians and musicians. Really. He's, he's kind of depressed though, it seems to me. <laughs> yeah, he's always kind of, melancholy. He's, yeah. Depressed, but also optimistic somehow. <laughs> it's like this he's weird... like yeah, he's sort of on the he's always on he's on the upswing of a downward curve. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's pretty interesting. Um, he's got a TV show now too. Have you seen that? No, oh, I haven't seen it. I think it's just it's probably about his life podcasting. I don't think it's. Uh, I think it's just, yeah it about him. Yeah, it's called Marin. I think. Mm-hmm. I feel it's good. Oh, okay. Um, so what, what else do you listen to? Uh, Point of Inquiry. I think I oh, yeah, that. yeah. That's I like, was listening to a couple really good ones of those recently. Yeah, they have some great interviews sometimes. They do science fiction people sometimes, mostly science, politics. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what I listened to exactly, but I I, I think that was pretty cool. Oh, they had Daniel Dennett on recently, and that's cool. And Neil deGrasse Tyson is amazing. Yeah, he's awesome. <laughs> I wish he could. I, I wish he would like take over the U.S. government. I, yeah, <laughs> I think that'd be so cool. Yeah. All the drones are now taking things into orbit. <laughs> oh, S.T. Joshi. Oh, wow. I gotta listen to that. He's a Lovecraft scholar. He's on Point of Inquiry, is he? Yeah. Oh, cool. I'm going to have to death that right this second. Yeah, they have good people on there. Really interesting characters. That's cool. Yeah, um, it, it's kind of, a, it's like a think tank uh, or something, right? Yeah. It's it's sort of, they call themselves? Yeah. It's like uh, humanists and skeptics and just secular kind of interviews. Yeah. I, I, how do you how do you get how do you become a think tank? <laughs> you just get a big check from some some rich guy. Is that how it works? I have no idea. <laughs> I'm gonna have to look that up. Yeah. I think it's just a new word for R and D, but I could be wrong. <laughs> I, I don't know. They've been around for a long time. Yeah. 
But you know, usually they're like lobbying uh, organizations, or they're right. They're you know, like there's one near me that's a a collection of people who who are available to speak to the media, mm-hmm. I think. And, you know, they do studies and they, they, you know, that sort of thing. But it's kind of a weird sort of uh, civil society thing where you've got the uh, a thing called a think tank. Um, one of the podcasts I listen to sometimes, Starship Sofa, you guys know that mm-hmm. one, right? Mm-hmm. I got an email this morning that they're doing the first ever SofaCon. It's, mm-hmm. it's an online con. It's kind of exciting. I don't know yet how much it's going to cost because they just sent out like the announcement of the date today, but they're going to have Peter Watts, Gregory Frost, Ted Kosmatka, Amy Sturgis, Dennis Lane, and you just attend on your sofa. Are you going to wear a costume? (laughs) (laughs) I probably should. (laughs) You know, cons are all about... I think you can do a video on it, yeah. Yeah. If you want. Um, it's, I think it's relatively exclusive though, uh, because it's done, I don't think it's mass. I think it's less than a hundred people. I'm not sure. I don't know. It's the first um, time they're going to do it. So do you listen to any of the other shows from that, that group? There's start, it started with Starship Sofa, but now there's protecting project pulp. There's hmm. uh tales to terrify. And there's also a third one. Which I'm forgetting, and and they all like PPP, SSS, uh, and uh, Tales to Terrify, Protecting Project Pulp, Starship Sofa, and there's one more. <laughs> uh, District of Wonders is the name of the website. District. Crime City Central. Crime City Central. I always forget that one. Um, the one I like um, for some things, and there's like the host of. Um, of Tales to Terrify used to be on Starship Sofa quite a lot. And he just has a really great voice. He's a writer. Um, and he, he has very cool, uh, editorial introductions to, to the material. So I listened to that one consistently just for his content. And he, when he chooses something to read, uh, rather than, you know, it's something, uh, if, if, if he chooses something from the public domain, usually that's really good. Um, but it i don't normally listen to the entire episode if it's uh if it's just a a, a modern horror story it, it really if it grabs me or not um but uh, protecting project pulp is almost all public domain i think and there's a lot of really good episodes on that there was one out recently that i i haven't if i haven't written about it i yeah i think i did ri- write about it recently Let's see uh Hmm. Let's see if I can bring it up. I think it's probably Lovecraft. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was uh, The Rats in the Walls. That was the one I quoted from earlier. <laughs> oh. And that uh, actually is edited, I think, uh, one of the editors behind Pro- Protecting Project Pulp is Fred Heimbaugh, Fredosphere from Twitter. You've seen him. Maybe not. <laughs> I've seen you tweeting him. Yeah, he, he's he's a funny guy. And um, the other podcast I wanted to mention, I think I forgot. Maybe I already said it is uh, writing excuses. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty faithful listener of that one, but I go in spurts, mm-hmm. and it's usually during when I'm trying to write <laughs> <laughs> because I need inspiration. So 
Are you writing fiction or are you just you mean Um well I I am in a writing group. I mostly do poetry and stuff, but I think having prompts helps and having some um just kind of perspective on structuring. I I don't really know that kind of stuff intuitively, so it always helps to hear how they're thinking things through. I wrote some uh poetry yesterday. Really? Yeah. Did it rhyme? <laughs> Uh, it was free verse. Hmm. So there are rhymes in it, but, uh, let's see if I can find it. You want to hear it? Sure. Yep. Here it is. Uh, it's, it's called Stan, S-T-A-N. Uh, beyond the valleys, green and grand, peek the frightened eyes of weak, colossal Stan, the giant boy of infant lands. Stan grasps the Herculean hands, oh, sorry, Stan grasps with Herculean hands the pinnacle peaks, clutching feebly with avalanche force. Its azure bulky hides, oh, sorry, typo, hides his enormous titanic hulk from frightening lights of the big small city. Stan's fantastic feet like ocean liners parked in port, his colossal thighs like thunderous engines resting silently for a storm to come, his tremendous teeth like hoary skyscrapers shaking in the earthquake. Shaking in an earthquake, like a heavenly metrop, like a heavenly metropolis quivering beneath a troubled brow above a wet red sea of silent tongue. Stan's insecure, Stan, comma, insecure in his cyclopean mass, fe- feels fear of the future beyond the warm chill range of his bowl-like hills, the how that house his home and heart. Stan fears a fall filled with judging eyes, whispered words of mockery and shame. How could city slick students stand, stand, stand's pine-scented skin, his dewdrop pits dripping down in rivulets turned to rivers, and what does a giant know of school and scholarship? What can mere tests of paper and pen say for poor and friendless, for a poor and friendless figure who quakes and sighs behind the two small mountain looming high over a big small city to which young Stan has never been? Wow. Oh, Stan. <laughs> oh, Stan, just get out from behind that mountain and go to school. <laughs> cool. Jenny's turn. Oh, no. <laughs> that is what my writing group does, though. We sit around on at our own homes and read to each other through our yes. headphones. It's good. That's fun. Yeah. So I always that should be a podcast. Huh. Hey, you should record Why it. Why not? You never know. Yeah, no. <laughs> I've just gotten to the point of being willing to share it with people that I trust much less in the world. <laughs> I don't I don't think you'll get a lot of listeners who aren't interested. Yeah. Right? Well, Obama's already recorded it. <laughs> this is true. I'm sure that should, this is what he should. does on his Saturday nights. He sits and listens to my reading. That's a, yes, that's I got Jenny's poetry. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I didn't know. I didn't know you were you were writing poetry. That's interesting. I was going to mention SF Squeecast. SF Squeecast. They, they, all right. They spread vague positivity. Vague positivity. So so yeah, they all pick the like something they like. Like it could be a book or a movie. And uh, they actually they recently had on Charles Tan, and they had mm-hmm. on Mary Cole and uh, John John Joseph Adams. So oh. I I mean I kind of sometimes feel like our show might be. Could use more positivity, maybe. And the, the, the show is always very positive. I don't know. 
Well, uh, you, are you talking on new releases or on... Um, this, this in general. Just in general? Okay. I feel like we're doing good if we stay away from blatant negativity. <laughs> yeah, we're spreading not negativity. I don't know. I, I think I think you ha- when something's bullshit, you got to call it. Otherwise, it's it, you're wasting your life, I would say. But yeah, I guess there's a happy medium somewhere. Yeah, well, no, but see, I, I think they, they tell you, we don't, we don't talk about things we're not interested in, right? right? Yeah. So, yak hair for better movement. Hmm. Yeah, they have funny show titles. I suggest all of you go listen to Hypnobobs. That's my, my favorite podcast right now. Hypnobobs. Hypnobobs by Mr. Jim Moon. Uh, he talks about, uh, mostly, um, I don't know, horrors, weird related sort of things. He did like a four or five part series or maybe six part series on Batman. But, uh, for the most part, it's, it's, uh, about, uh, sort of Lovecraftian end of the spectrum of things. But he writes these essays. He wrote actually that, uh, review I was saying of the Hammer Chillers. And if you read that review, it sounds exactly like his essays that he writes. And he writes, uh, a bit, you know, like an hour and a half long essay, it seems like, or maybe an hour long essay about once a week. And they're really good. And he's so well read and so thoughtful. I, I love having him on the podcast, mm-hmm. talking to him. And he's got a great voice. Um, Jesse, I'll listen to Hypnobobs if you'll listen to the Savage Love cast. <laughs> All right. How many, how many episodes should I listen to? Well, I don't know. There are 345. <laughs> Well, I don't know if I can do that many all, <laughs> all today, but I'm not sure. I, I just don't have one like specifically to recommend or anything. So, all right. Well, I'll, I'll hop off a savage love. <laughs> Maybe I'll play in my commute tomorrow. <laughs> he he did a uh, uh, he's he's done two shows on Peter Cushing, uh, the British actor who I I guess he died recently. Hmm. Um. And uh, from that, I found a movie that I watched the other day, and it was really good. It's like a 1960s uh, horror movie called The Gorgon, which is, uh, you know, Medusa's uh, has three sisters, and one of her sisters moved to Germany, <laughs> and uh, it's causing havoc up there. And Christopher Lee and uh, Peter Cushing are investigating. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com.